This is the Frontier Freedom Hour, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Friends, we're having a great time this week on the Frontier Freedom Hour. If you missed any of the first few segments, go to FrontierFreedomRadio.com. FrontierFreedomRadio.com. You can download the podcast here. We're talking to someone that's probably well-known. If you're listening broadcast-wise, you're listening down in Colorado Springs and up here in Denver, Colorado. Great ministry. How's just outside of Colorado Springs in Manitou Springs, Colorado Summit Ministries. I've had a chance to go down there and visit. It's really doing wonderful work. I'm going to ask Jeff all about that in the next segment because I want people to learn about the work of Summit Ministries. Jeff Myers is our guest today. He's the president of Summit Ministries. He wrote a book, Truth Changes Everything, How People of Faith Can Transform the World in Times of Crisis. He's written 14 books, and you get a Western name when you come on the Frontier Freedom Hour. So, Jeff, you can add this to your bio now. We're going to call you Jeff the Thinker Myers, 14 (laughs) books. I think that's a good that's a good nickname, a good cowboy nickname for Jeff Myers. Uh, Jeff, you wrote a chapter here how Jesus followers have changed politics. Christians shouldn't be engaged in politics. It's dirty, it's nasty, it's divisive. It gets people focused in on the wrong things. How have Christians changed politics? Mm, Jeff, I get it if people are thinking, I am tired of it. And they might be especially tired of it right now, getting political ads every time they turn on the television. I'm getting texts every, you know, every few minutes, um, emails, all of that. And we start to think, so can't we just have some time in our lives where we don't have to think about this? You know, when I go to church, I want to think about Jesus. I don't want to be thinking about politics. Well, here's the thing, Jeff. It turns out that in the course of history, it was Jesus' followers who gave us the kind of free political systems that enable us to live the sort of lives that we want. Mm. And it's, it's Jesus' followers who maintain it. So let me just give you an example. If you go back to the Declaration of Independence, of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, 51, possibly 53 of them were known to be believing Christians. I didn't even know that. When I was taught political science, I was basically given the impression that they were all just deists. They kind of believed in a distant God who wound up the universe and then just let it go, and were responsible for our own fate. But they were believing Christians. If you look at the larger group of founding fathers, of the 204 who are usually considered to be the founding fathers when people use that term, almost all of them were members of a Christian denomination. Now, we can acknowledge that just being a member of a church doesn't make you a Christian, but it does maybe change what you look at when you're trying to figure out sources for what is true. So Donald Lutz is a political science professor who went back and looked at 15,000 documents that were drawn that, uh, from the Founding Fathers, and he found that they quoted from the Bible more than all other sources put together. Hmm. Now, what was it they were doing? Because I've heard people quote from the Bible, you know, they believe like one particular thing and they have their Bible verse that they protect <laughs> that one idea with, right? They just to, just to prove this one little point or prove that little point. 
No, they actually were looking back at the ancient Hebrews and said, what Moses, through God, gave to the Hebrews was the most advanced form of civilization in human history. Hmm. It was a republic, not a theocracy. So what principles did Moses put in place that we ought to put in place in our own time? That was the question the founders were asking. And it's so profound because things like, uh, even the, the, the way we have the federal government organized with three branches, with an executive branch, a Supreme Court, and then the House of Representatives and Senate, the legislative branch, why would they do that? Because they looked back in history and said, you know what's pretty obvious from history? If you put one person in charge, <laughs> they always become corrupt. So maybe we should divide up the power so that any one person who gets too into himself, it can be cut back down to size by one of the other branches. And if the legislature gets too into itself, then they can be cut back down by the Supreme Court, and maybe we can help stave off that inevitable corruption. That was their thinking, and it came from Scripture. So that's really important, I think, to understand. Another significant aspect, Jeff, of politics and thinking of it from a biblical worldview is that you start with principles first, then you move toward policies, then you talk about the personality differences that you have. So the founders, principles first. We hold these truths to be self-evident. And then they went on to state, here's how this works. The government doesn't give you rights. Mm -hmm. At best, the government can secure for you the rights that have been given to you by God. If you ever let the government be God, just keep in mind that a government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take everything you have. So they started with principles. Then policies after that. Well, how does the government actually work? What's the legislature like? How do we elect people to it and all of that? Then they faced all the personality conflicts, <laughs> and there were many, right? You had the big conflict between Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. You had conflicts between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. But they didn't start with those conflicts and try to work their way back to something reasonable. They already knew at the core what they believed. That gave them the ability to handle the personality conflicts. So it's principles, then policies, than personalities. So what happens if you lose truth? You do it backwards. You start with the personalities. I don't like that guy, man. I can't stand his <laughs> tweets. So I'm, whatever he's for, I am against, right? And that, then all of a sudden, you can't develop any good policies. And you'll never arrive at any principles that are worth living and dying for. So the critique right now is that if Christians want to get engaged in this process, they're trying to be Christian nationalists. Uh, we've got about three minutes to dissect that, which isn't enough. I'm actually having an upcoming debate on this itself. But uh, is that a fair critique? Christians wading into the public square, wanting to engage in politics, as you just mentioned, and principles and policies and then personalities, are they advocating, are they being Christian nationalists? Jeff, I've not, I am in the space all the time. I just came back yesterday from Washington, D.C. I have never actually met someone who fits the definition of being a Christian nationalist. 
and 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 what I'm what's so weird about this is that nobody talks about this except people on the far left who use it as an accusation. So they've essentially created a boogeyman, a, a category of people, you know, that can terrify everyone that doesn't actually exist so that they can maintain more control. You've always got to look back and ask, when somebody uses a label like that, what do they stand to gain by the use of that label? Christians are citizens just like everybody else. I get one vote, you get one vote. I have one voice, you have one voice. We're all to be using our voices. If Christians get scared away because they think they might be labeled with something, well, just welcome to the world of being a Christian. (laughs) The Apostle Paul told his disciple Timothy, all who want to follow Jesus will be persecuted. Okay? You say, well, then I don't want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus, but not be persecuted. You don't get to choose. That name-calling will happen. The goal of it is to make you be silent, but your voice is the most important thing you have at this moment. Well, and the criticism of a Christian nationalist is the criticism that Christians engaging in politics somehow want to turn America into a Christian nation-state. Now, there are religious nation-states. Israel is a Jewish nation-state. It is the official homeland of the Jewish population, of Jewish people. I have not run into a single person, and Jeff, you and I are probably at some of the highest levels of Christian conservative political engagement that has said, I want America to be a Christian nation state. We're going to get rid of the Article 6 prohibitions on religious tests for government. Therefore, anybody in government leadership needs to be a a Christian must go through a religious test. They want a theocracy or a theonomy. A theocracy is where your priests and religious leaders are coming up with the laws. A theonomy is where we just take the laws from the Old Testament and say, we're just going to airdrop these in, and these are the official laws of America. No one's calling for that. And in fact, what you have in America is Christian Americans informed by Jerusalem, Rome, and Greece. Not just the Bible, but the inherited traditions, Western civilization traditions of limited government, of the free exercise of religion, of the separation of powers. And so American Christians combine that. And what you said, Jeff, was exactly right. It's a boogeyman uh, created by the left to somehow force Christian Americans from the public square because somehow it's wrong to bring your religious values in. Why is it wrong? Because we believe in truth and the idea that there should be truth. And if there is truth, then uh, it needs to be pushed out of the public square because we think everybody should have their truth. And uh, in many ways, we're still battling the same Rousseau-Locke debates that the French and English and American revolutions were all based upon. But do not be intimidated. No one's calling for a Christian nation state. We're calling for Christians to be engaged in the public square, carrying on the traditions of Jerusalem, Rome, and Greece. When we come back, I want to talk with Dr. Jeff Myers about the work that Summit Ministries is doing, because this is so important. I've got young people. Many of you have children. We've got young children, and we're trying to figure out how to prepare them to hold strong to their values in the midst of a culture that wants to get rid of truth. So what organizations out there can help you? We're going to talk all about Summit Ministries when we come back. You're listening to 
the Frontier Freedom Hour. We'll be right back. 